0: Call it? Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 59 of Call It Friendly, the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself Andy J. Richie, my co-host, Donnicka and watch the 1986 basketball film Hoosiers. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at call it Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations... We're going to be starting a Patreon shortly with bonus episodes for new releases and subscriber requests. More details to follow soon. This podcast was recorded over Zoom. If you want to see our beautiful face, head over to Call It Friendly Podcast on YouTube. Peace. Okay, so this is episode 59 of Call It Frando. This is the first one that we've done a video for,
1: hence the amazing backgrounds. Look at that. You've got sexy Gene Hackman and I have sexy Gene Hackman.
0: Sexier Gene Hackman.
1: There's no such thing as an
0: unsexy Gene Hackman.
1: As the reactions to his general uh, female opposite uh, cast members in every film we've watched so far has shown. And we've watched a few Gene Hackman films so far. Have we watched a Gene Hackman film without him as a sex object, without him as a piece of meat for young ladies? I don't think there is one. <laughs> no, I can't think of one right now. What are the Gene Hackman films that we've watched? Can you uh, recall? I can, I can think of it. Well, adventure. I'm still haunted by the Poseidon adventure and his Scarecrow. weird relationship with that teenage girl. Scarecrow, he's a sex object. The conversation, the conversation. with the rain jacket when he visits that lady. Oh, God. Sweet That's Pete painful. Sweet, Hackman.
0: It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a lovely thing. Okay, Um, just to give a quick background of what we do on this podcast, if this is your first time listening or watching, we're going to briefly go through what we've been watching over the last week. Then we're going to talk about the film for the week, which, as you can see from behind me, is 1986's Hoosiers, mm -hmm. starring Gene Hagman. Uh, Based on the coin toss, the criteria for Hoosiers was a sports film. You chose Hoosiers. That won the toss, and that's why we watched that. After we talk about Hoosiers, we're going to have a, another coin toss to decide what we watch next week. That's how this works.
1: Yay. I love it. This I love it. This podcast works. It's how I get to keep watching films that I have not seen instead of just putting on heat again.
0: I would love to put on heat again of any form. The film, just heating, central heating, that also be good.
1: Insulate Britain. That's what I say.
0: That's what I say too. Let's block oh, the streets, wait, folks. Is that a political affiliation? I believe it is. And oh, uh, we need to watch these because you're not cutting anything. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are no cuts here, folks. Everything that it, happened it. happened.
1: Raw, raw. Ooh, uh, baby, I like it okay. raw. Go ahead.
0: Okay, so tell me, what have you been watching this week, Mr. Tiernan?
1: Well, there's only one thing to talk about, really. I want to, I mean, I've been watching Get Back, the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary. Now, I know you're not as big on the Beatles as I am, correct? I hate them. I don't have to really- accurate?
0: No, I don't really have a strong opinion. Obviously, I have to appreciate what they did for music and they were groundbreaking and everything that came after has been influenced, blah, 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 blah. But I will never sit down and listen to the Beatles. I refuse. It might be because when I was a kid, my parents played a lot of Beatles music and I just kind of... In my head, it's connected with long car journeys.
1: They were my... You know that thing that everyone was doing with their Spotify uh, recently on Instagram? They were my most listened to artist in the last year. And I... Like, I... Actually, how much do you recall? How much music you listened to uh, last year?
0: Yeah, very little. I did not oh, really listen to much music in twenty twenty one. That's issue. I was right?
1: amazed. I, w- I was in the top two percent of Spain. I um, listen. I listened, I listened to thirty five thousand of uh, music. Yeah, no, Jesus. of like how much music I listened to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I listened to uh, thirty five thousand minutes of music.
0: What were you doing at the same time?
1: Lots of stuff. I normally just have music on. I put it on straight away. When I get up, I use the Spotify radio function a lot, or I'll stick on an album that I quite like, because then it switches to radio function if you listen to the whole thing. I think Spotify is brilliant, by the way. If they're listening or not, whatever. I think it's just great. <laughs> or do, uh, you, the do you only mean issue is, listening to this? I mean, well, they put this on so Spotify.
0: Okay. Yeah, I assume they do. I assume they go through everything and just make sure that it's up to standard. The only thing that bugs that me is is
1: that... Uh, is that... The only podcast I listen to on Spotify using the app is probably the Joe Rogan podcast. So they too, have that as my, as my number one podcast. And yeah, I'm like, no,
0: I, I agree. I <laughs> I want to argue about that. Anyway, we seem Quentin to have come massively on. off topic here. Yeah, You're yeah, talking whatever, about okay. a film. Wait, what? What's this? Uh, yeah, do a you Pierre know about Jackson this documentary? I've seen people sharing images on social media of like George Harrison. So I assume that that's what this is.
1: Well, yeah. So, um to give the brief rundown the beatles went through a, a little bit of a rocky period and they hatched this project whereby they would go just into a studio and record it st- st- completely stripped down with the agreement of the regular producer george martin they would just go to a different more rootsy george producer no no george martin uh just no overdubs or anything like that and record something more in the ilk of the band um and also that they would film it For some sort of a TV special Which would culminate in them Returning to live performances Actually the end of the sessions Resulted in the famous rooftop gig Now a film was released I remember that one
0: from uh, The Simpsons Exactly. I only remember things like that from the parody of them I have no idea about the actual real thing That happened
1: well, you see, the album was not released as planned. They actually went on to record. The last album they recorded was actually Abbey Road. They released Abbey Road. Then John left the band and him and George Martin gave the tracks. Let for it the Be, Beatles. Which hadn't gotten released. They gave them to Phil Spector, who added in all his lush soundscapes and shit like that. Paul McCartney was not happy with these overdubs. And uh, he eventually released like Let It Be Naked about 15 years ago, which was the, his original stri- more stripped back vision for the album and the film kind of shows a band completely at war with each other shows McCartney as a bit of a dictator. George uh, Harrison left the band at some point. Anyway, long story short, Peter Jackson got a hold of all the footage that, yeah, where does this footage f- come from? Is this just stuff that they were shooting of themselves around the time? No, no, they hired a director to make this documentary, mm. which again showed them at war. But Peter Jackson did his um th- that w- what he did for "They Shall Grow Not Old," but it was easier because it's color footage with sound already, and he really, really cleaned up. The, he put the, the Beatles
0: in World the, War One.
1: This is it. Uh, you know, it, it just really cleaned up the celluloid. So you've got a, you've got this high definition picture of the be- of the Beatles. Just hanging around the studio, writing songs together. You literally get to see their process. You get to watch over, like, and the thing is, it's three episodes together. I think it's about eight hours. I've watched one and a half of them. And it's, you've never seen, like, I know they're the biggest band ever. So maybe it's appropriate that it's them, but I've never seen such intimacy with a band's creative product. process it's it's fucking amazing like um it's just so these were just (laughs)
0: videos that were just lying around for 50 years or something
1: yeah apparently there was 60 hours and then even more audio because they they mic'd up areas of the studio just to pick up conversations and things like that i jesus there's this amazing scene where in the in the wake of george harrison leaving the band john lennon and paul mccartney just retire into the kitchen to have a little dispute about what, where the future of the band is. And unbeknownst to them, uh, a flower pot was mic'd and you just Wait, hear Harrison this con- was the
0: first person to leave the band.
1: Yeah, but he came back before the end of the oh, session. I, I know uh,
0: nothing about the Beatles. I should watch this anyway. Sorry. Continue.
1: No, when John left the band then the band ended, that happened right. uh, soon after Abbey road was released. But um, yeah, you just get to hear this mic'd up conversation between the two guys. It's completely raw. I've never heard anything like it. The only thing that comes close would be the Metallica documentary, Some Kind of Monster. But the thing is, they're all kind of doofuses and idiots. And it's almost embarrassing if you're watching it. and You're a Metallica fan. You're like, oh, God, these guys, really? But with the Beatles, it's just different. It's amazing like to watch them just write songs together. You literally just it, like they're going over little bits and pieces of songs that you know super well at this point. You get to watch them roll over 10 different versions of the lyrics for the song Get Back. It's incredible. It's on Disney+. Plus. I'm really, really enjoying it. And uh, anybody with even m- a minor interest in the Beatles, just for like this, it's like watching, f- it's, it's like getting to watch, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe clean her house or something, you know? It's just that such sounds great. Iconic... That's exactly why I want
0: to see if <laughs> Marilyn Monroe is her cleaning abilities, please.
1: It's just, it's, they're such iconic people and you you know they're asking people to you know get them a cup of tea smoking cigarettes making <laughs> jokes it's it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. I, I,
0: people who've been elevated to kind of mythic status it is interesting to to get that kind of insight
1: into their real lives and it's like what where where people farming and stuff all the important this things this kind of crack I mean, yeah. actually there's there's one there's one point in it where john lennon is just singing some songs that were popular at the time and changing all the lyrics to dirty stuff which i could relate to and not yep. gay, dirty stuff. So you're basically just the modern
0: John Lennon, is that what you're saying? This is
1: what I'm saying, and you were mm. my Paul McCartney. Yes, um, I've always
0: thought of myself that way.
1: Ooh, another crazy aspect of it is right. I've read articles that said at last it is vindicated. Yoko Ono did not break up the Beatles. That's all horse shit But I'll tell you what. Maybe people were just saying she broke up the Beatles because they didn't want to admit something that they instinctually felt in her soul, in their souls, which is she's really scary. She's a scary lady.
0: Well, it's like she that just... that video of her, that famous kind of. Oh, with burr Chuck Berry. yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Of, yeah, of yeah. her going, oh, oh. yeah, and Chuck Berry She's going, "What the lady. hell is with She's your woman?" A yeah,
0: conceptual artist. She's like a, you know, like, a, and that Simpsons, that same Simpsons episode that I referenced earlier. I would like a single plum served in perfume, floating in a man's hat.
1: Yeah, yeah, because yeah.
0: That that is my typical order. now when I go to a bar as a sober man, <laughs> I like a a plum and perfume, please
1: um but yeah uh, i couldn't recommend it higher for everybody the only thing is it's like well, i don't need to watch it just explained thing. the whole thing well it's it's as bloated as the hobbit you know it could probably easily be two hours long but then I've you have never don't seen the hobbit just,
0: and nor shall i
1: you, ju- you just don't get these long stretches of mundanity with the band which is almost like the best thing in it like the best thing in it is really watching them write songs but wow it's great anyway what have you been watching that
0: was it you just had that one thing stretched yes. out over
1: eight hours there I watched you go. a lot
0: more than you. I watched. Uh, we we talked about this a little bit last week in the platoon episode when we were discussing Oliver Stone's work. I watched JFK Revisited through the Looking Glass. Oh, nice! The documentary. This gives an update on the files released after the JFK film. I don't know if you, because you're younger than me. Do you even do you remember that period? Do you you, you wouldn't remember when JFK came out? You're too young, right? No, but do you? It
1: was 1992. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, hey, listen, I was like 11 or something at that time. I was way into that. Okay. I remember because just after that, like a bunch of JFK files were released, I think around 1992. It was time to coincide with the, oh, yeah, 1993 was the 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary, yeah. So around that time, a bunch of uh, JFK files were declassified. Some of that obviously came after Oliver Stone's JFK films. So he delves into that a little bit here. Overall, I would say this documentary, if you're interested in, the jfk conspiracy because it yeah. was a conspiracy it definitely wasn't oswald he didn't do it because oliver stone says so if you're interested <laughs> in the topic then this is definitely worth watching but it's incredibly dense there's just it's i mean just, that, you get yeah, just, that's what w- my w- 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 you just get bombarded with information there's a certain point where you're like wait a minute i wasn't i as you know Donica, i normally watch things with subtitles on because i'm a simpleton and I didn't have subtitles for this, and I immediately regretted it because it's just so much information. At a certain know, point, I was
1: address, like, Arr. "Does it address the the recent? Um, I think there was a book written by some KGB um, agents where they said that they hired Oswald to do it. That doesn't no. come up, no, because that that was that's a recent enough one. And as a theory, it makes sense, but I mean, the physics of it still don't make sense. Is I suppose the main issue?
0: But I see so much argument like online. There's a whole. JFK files subreddit. Of course, there people, is. Yeah, of course there is. There's multiple. There are multiple JFK subreddits, but there's one of them that's mm. specifically about the files that were declassified, and there's there is a lot of back and forth and argument about Oliver Stone's version of events and about the uh, magic bullet theory, etc., etc. Like, uh, but these people are obviously just g- like government shills that've been put in to try and there you go. There you suppress go. the truth, folks. We're you see too, what I like so much
1: about um. What I like so much about Oliver Stone's film JFK, like in hindsight and having watched it multiple times and you've seen his version of it. I mean, the thing is, if you look in anything into the actual guy, Jim Garrison, he was a bit of a loon like he basically said if um, if like circumstances line up and make something like, you know, he basically his whole theory is never believe in coincidence. Yeah. Um, And I just what I like so much about it, I suppose, is that you know, Jim Garrison is the perfect cipher for Oliver Stone. He's just a guy asking questions, annoying people. The
0: other, I mean, going back to the to the mm. to the JFK film itself, you know, the guy who was the basis for Mister X. Are you familiar with him? His name was Fletcher uh, Fletcher Prouty.
1: Mister X, the Donald Sutherland character. Yeah
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That was based on a guy called Colonel Fletcher Prouty. This he's not mentioned at all in this like updated documentary, mm. but I remember. About 20 years ago, I used to read um, Fletcher Prouty's website and the guy was huh. insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was, he's former CIA, but he was just he's absolutely nuts. This is a problem with this type of thing is like you've got these guys who are insiders who were involved. But then over a period of time, it's clear that they are actually also mentally ill. Like, he's, he, he died years ago now. But I remember just in, in general, he had some interesting views, but then there was other things. I don't know, there was like fundamentalist Christian aspects. It's just things that were all built, like baked into it where you were like, OK, Fletch, maybe uh, I, I I, can accept that you were doing some kind of weird black ops for the CIA. But at the same time, you're just you're too far down the rabbit hole for my liking. And it, it's why. Yeah, uh, that's
1: the thing. It's like, you know, whenever you see people screaming about wanting the truth to be revealed, like it's just it never looks that appealing. Because if like all the guys who um, apparently know the truth, I mean, I seem to be like way happier than them.
0: Afraid so. That's the thing. That's the problem. That's the problem. Of oh, you know trip. what
1: they would say to me? They would say, oh, yeah, because ignorance is bliss. And I would say, it yes, is, people, it is. I agree with that.
0: Anyway, JFK revisited Through the Looking Glass. Uh, it's worth watching again. But it, like I said, it's just you get bombarded. It does sound with, very
1: up my street.
0: Yeah, it's up your street. You'll enjoy it. Anyway, I watched something that was uh, a little less taxing on the brain, and that was Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, do tell, do dish. Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters Afterlife. So I went to the cinema to watch this. Uh, It basically carries on his father Ivan's work from the original two films. Ivan Reitman is a producer on this one. This sequel completely disregards the 2016 iteration, although Jason Reitman was very complimentary or diplomatic uh, about Paul Feig's Lady Ghostbusters version. I would say for this film, when it works, it's great. Uh, The kids are very good. McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard play the grandchildren of Egon Spengler. And their mom is played by the always excellent Carrie Coon. She's a single mom. She is always excellent. She's great. I mean, from The Leftovers Mm. and and other things. She's married to uh, Tracy Letts. Do
1: you Ah. know that? Mm. Yeah. That's a fine husband to have. Isn't it? Writer of Killer Joe. Exactly. Awesome we,
0: we would be delighted to be married to Tracy Letts. I would or, love to marry to Tracy Letts, yes. Either <laughs> way. Coon, either yeah. way. Would
1: be equally yeah, yeah. I'll take either for yeah, sure. Absolutely.
0: So in the film, she's a single mom who's trying to ride Paul Rudd, as you do. Nice. Similarly, as, as everyone would. Uh, their back and forth is very funny throughout, as you would expect. But for me, the star of the show is uh, a young uh, Asian, Asian-American actor called Logan Kim. This is his first okay. role, and he plays a character called Podcast.
1: I've heard about this, and, and he, I've heard it's not as annoying as you would think. No, not at all.
0: He's skewering podcasts, and it was very I thought it was very funny. I really enjoyed um, that.
1: It looked to me in the trailer like it's singing a little bit from the Stranger Things hymn sheet, which I've, I'm not a fan of. Just, I don't know, for, I, it, you could easily level this as being a completely hipster reasoning, and it fucking is, but I don't care. It's just Like Stranger Things has lifted so many things directly out of, uh, you know, the Spielberg ilk and Spielberg movies that it's it's not tribute, it's just stealing. And I I just think to myself, well, why not just watch E.T.? Why not just watch The Goonies?
0: I still haven't watched Stranger Things, so I can't answer that. But I would say, well, okay, I find this film funny largely throughout. But at the same time, I was wondering, like, am I a boomer? Like, is that what this is? Obviously, I'm basically somewhere between Gen X and millennial. But am I just an old man? Because, like, I did find it funny, but mm. I also wondered, like, who is this film for?
1: Is it for people I mean, got, my age? Is that what it's, it's for? It's for fans of the movie, isn't it? Of the I original so, movie. Of the original films. And it all Well, they have the that. Stay Puft Marsh- Marshmallow Man in it.
0: They have multiple little mini Stay Puff Marshmallow Man spoilers, but... I would say the biggest weakness of this film is that it's tied into the original two films way too strongly. It's very Force Awakens without giving oh, too okay. much away. It's like heavy on the... it Being so tied into the previous lore and to, and to those previous characters and what came before, if this had followed the 2016 Lady Ghostbusters route and had completely disregarded everything that came before, mm-hmm. in some ways that would have made it a stronger, a stronger film. If it be interesting. F- even if it had been like full remake or it could they could have gone that route they could have gone full remake 100 percent, or they could have gone 2016 ghostbusters and completely disconnected from everything that came before but as it is it's stuck in this weird middle ground where they're forced to retread certain aspects that are just you're like ah you're doing this again maybe for young kids they'll be like okay great in a way maybe they're trying yeah. to kind of play this this line where they're like okay we're gonna give a there is a lot it has been criticized for its fan service and I can agree with that to a certain extent it is funny well, it, it this film is good until it's not good anymore <laughs> basically that's how I
1: describe as, it as I said when we were reviewing lady Ghostbusters the original the original Ghostbusters film is such a grand example of like literally just lightning in a bottle. There's no way that film should work mm-hmm. as well as it does, but it's just the four guys are perfectly funny. The special effects are schlocky, but a little bit spooky and scary. It's, you know, it's very fun. It completely zips along. The action scenes are just bizarre enough to be enthralling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It That shouldn't work, but it just does. It's so iconic. Um, so with some, like, I am interested to see this. Uh, I generally like Jason Reitman's, uh, films. I think, I, I think I like everything he's done as a matter of fact. Um, but, uh, and I, I'm, I am intending to see this, so I'll get to it eventually.
0: It, a lot of the humor is very kind of Jason Reitman-y, like I'm over this from the kids. Like the kids are, are have this kind of world weary sense of irony that, you know, is coming from Jason Reitman. You know, what I mean, they're they're yeah. played in a very adult
1: way, which is it's funny. I like that humor. I think that's very good. And um, are there any cameos from the originals?
0: There are, and you know, they're in their late seventies, maybe.
1: Like all of them, all the boys.
0: Yeah, everyone's in it. Uh, okay, this is this is a very very mild spoiler. It's not really a spoiler, but um, in, within the first few minutes of the film, Egon Spengler dies. Okay, so that's how they deal with Har- like Harold how dramas. That's how they get the film. house. Harold Ramis is what? in this film, despite being dead for years. Yeah, he's dead, there yeah. Is, there is a CGI Harold Ramis. It's actually pretty good. It's not too bad. Okay. It's, it's not terrible. But, All right, this, I... but that connection to the old films, the need to do that, to be connected, meant they had to portray, they had to have like a dead actor in the film. And it was... like These choices are, are things which have overall have an effect on the quality of the film. It worked okay. Should they have done it? I would say no. They should have gone a different way completely.
1: Well, they were always going to stronger. have the other boys in it. Uh, by the sure. way, for anybody listening who's going, ah, oh, spoilers, I think spoilers matter, matter occasionally. But if you didn't think that the original Ghostbusters yeah, were going to be in this, you're, you're mad. Of
0: course. The only reason to do this, Ghostbusters, is to bring back the original guys. They're so barely in, what, in it.
1: Yeah, but like how? How do they manage? Is it, are they at the funeral or something? No, I, no I, I'm not. going. Do you want full spoilers for this? I actually kind of do, because then it'll okay. save me watching okay, it. Okay,
0: here we go. Let's just say this. From this point on, right, these are full spoilers for this, for Ghostbusters Afterlife, right? The whole concept of the film is that um, it's exactly the same as the first film, except it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's in, like, Kansas or somewhere, Oklahoma. In they the connect to of another nowhere,
1: worldly dimension and stuff.
0: ba 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 Exactly the, the same baddie as the first film, Gozer. There's the key master and the gatekeeper, so OK Paul, so, so wow, this so is Paul very force Rudd, awakens. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon turn into the two dog things and have sex, and Gozer comes back, and of course, Gozer doesn't have any gender, so they make a joke about like, "Ah, oh, it's very woke." but they literally use that word. They literally say that <laughs> that's actually that's one of the comments that's, that's uh, uh, passed on Gozer's being, being genderless. That's um, funny.: It is funny, it's a funny moment. Uh, So. The way that they win at the end is so Egon has moved to the middle of nowhere because it's close to this mine where some of, the mine, some of the metal from that mine was used to build the building from the first film, the one that was like next to Central Park. The ghosts can't met, melt steel beams, though. So bear that in mind. Uh, yeah, so and how Egon, does Bill Murray get into it? So what happens is at the end of the film, the three old guys all turn up to save the day but they're like old
1: men. Oh, wow. How do they look? Like old, old men?
0: Old. Murray's the worst. He looks super old. And they like do the day genuinely.
1: saving. They do at least 30% of the day saving, I would say. Isn't it crazy that, like when you think about things like this, okay, so the first two Ghostbusters existed, you know, they're, it, it's a It's a wonder that they didn't make a third one because the second one made quite a bit of money as well. Um, And then when people are, in years to come when people are talking about the ghostbuster collection and i don't know let's say a hundred years have passed and they look back and just think <laughs> like anyone's going to be say, talking
0: about ghostbusters in a hundred years
1: but like let's just say it's just such a strange because it's not the only film that's done this that's done the 20 years later sequel mm-hmm. it's just such a weird way to do it when you think about it you know like they, like they're trying to do a new an uh a Another lethal weapon now as well. Um, apparently, Mel Gibson it, it was, you know, ordained to direct it by Richard Donner. Mm. And it, it's like, does this strike nobody as bizarre, just a bizarre way to do things?
0: Yeah, I think it would be a lot better to just either write, a, create a completely new property mm. or else recast the roles with, with young people and forget they don't keep bringing the old people back. I think with Ghostbusters, it would be better to just not do it. If you want to do something yeah. with these with this cast, or at just, least don't or, have the old dudes. Yeah, yeah. Don't bring back the old guys and, and make it a completely make it its own thing. But you know they want it, to it tie in. thinks the... to
1: me of uh, when uh, Christoph Waltz announced he was Blofeld inspector, and any young audience was going, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Any kids that go to this, you know, they do stand a good chance of kind of going, "I don't understand." Why, What? who are these guys and why is, because I'm sure kids, despite, they mightn't be able to name it exactly, but I'm sure they have a sense of film grammar and the film is probably telling you, ah, look, it's these guys. And kids are going, what guys? (laughs) And that
0: narrative choice is ultimately what ruined Spectre and the latest film as well. No Time to Die.
1: Yeah, for sure. tied,
0: being tied into that insane thing. Anyway. That is what yeah. we've been watching. We've, we've spent a long time on that. Longer than usual, folks. This is what happens when we get the video going.
1: Well, we did also both watch Eternals. We did we watch, um, Eternals, and we we'll did watch be, Eternals. We'll cover that in another episode, won't we?
0: We certainly will. We are going to yes. be
1: dropping a Patreon.
0: yurt. Stay tuned for more information, where we're going to be doing uh, individual latest releases or any film that anyone suggests.
1: Any film that anyone suggests.
0: Any film that anyone suggests. There will be some more caveats than just any film that anyone suggests, but we'll deal with that later. Anyway, so we had a toss pick based on the criteria of sports films. Do you remember my choice? Uh, it was a cycling one. A cycling film. It was called Breaking Away.
1: Yes. By Dennis
0: Quaid, among others. Yeah, I have not watched that film. Maybe I will at a later date, but it doesn't matter because your toss pick one and your topic yes. was the 1986 film Hoosiers, which is. Go, er, thoughts. Uh, which is also known as best shot in some places because in large parts of the world, like in the United Kingdom,
1: we don't know what a Hoosier is.
0: Although I do now because I looked it up.
1: I don't either. What is it?
0: Would you like to know? It's uh, a Hoosier is someone from uh, Indiana.
1: Ah, okay. Fair enough. State, That'll The great do. state of
0: Indiana. Although the origin of the the origin of where the term comes from is is uh is still largely contested. There you go. But it dates back to at least the eighteen forties.
1: Of this kind of narrative, I mean I only had like I I really did enjoy this film. My like the only issue I probably had was well, I might have um a bit of Gene Hackman overkill at this point. Maybe need a break more Is all the that hackers. even
0: possible? <laughs> well what let is me too just like
1: Gene Hackman. <laughs> For me, it might have been and it's it might be directly related to how much we've discussed this, but it might have been him being a love interest again. And this was just mad to me, particularly with I don't know how much younger that actress was than him at the time, but it's just nuts to me anyway. Um...
0: Yeah, he starts with Barbara Hershey. That is one of the the problems of this film is there's a poorly developed uh, romance plot but the reason yes. why it's poorly developed is that the original cut of the film from david anspaugh and angelo pizzo was two hours and 48 minutes and this which was, would have been too long which would have been insane but that would have flashed mm. that out. i mean that would be you know they cut that down to 114 minutes i didn't the film didn't feel over long to me at, at two no. hours like it felt fine
1: but adding an of extra this type minutes of narrative of this type of narrative, I would say this is one of the best, if not the best I've seen um, of just this, you know, outsider coach comes in, you know, uh, causes a stir and, you know, gets the guys over the finish line in the end. Um, yeah, I I, I I, think as like I find certain types of characters funny in, in films like this, you know, the all the angry hillbilly dads that hate him they're all hilarious they're such archetypical characters but I think in general um it started off with its you know little twinkly music and shots of the locality and you and like you know exactly where you are if you've watched a, a few movies you know oh god this is the intro to the sports movie we're seeing the local township how important basketball is to them as he's driving through and you see everyone playing basketball all the beats are there but it's it's very well shot. I think Particular, not qu- OK. The basketball scenes might have might be a little bit static for but that was the time. But I think the way you kind of get to know the town and in particular, the area around the school is really interesting and really feels genuine. Um, and generally speaking, I, I, I really got along well with it.
0: I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. I, I did also watch Rudy. I didn't mention that in my what I've been watching section, but it's it's the second of, of three films which were directed by David Anspaw and written by Angelo Pizzo. Rudy's about uh, uh, a young man called Rudy, Rudy Rodiger who had a dream of playing for Notre Dame. Notre Dame for playing for the Flying Irish, uh, despite the fact that he was a midget, essentially. He's Sean Aston sized And also dyslexic, so it was a struggle to get into college. And uh, he just all he wanted to do was to be a walk-on for Notre Dame. And the film is quite similar in a way. Is
1: it a true story? Yeah,
0: and similar to this, it's very loosely based on a true story. I mean, it's the same guy. It's based on the real guy of, of of Rudy. Except hmm. there are a number of people, including legendary San Francisco 49ers quarterback, Joe Montana, who actually played in, the, in the, the, the final game of the film, who said like, yes, these things happened, kind of, but not the way that he remembers it. Now, me and you, we have definitely interacted with people who have uh, a tenuous grip on reality and who interpret, okay. <laughs> who interpret events. Not the, not the way that most people might remember them or that, uh, or that a record of, of the event may actually remember it. Hey, I, I yeah, guess this, this is human nature. We've probably all done this. We've probably done it ourselves. That's why a video is yeah. useful to, to actually so, remember the reality of the event. So anyway, the argument is that Rudy, uh, like he was carried off at the end, of, uh, the end of the match. According to other people, he was carried off in a, in a kind of pranking way of going like, yeah, let's carry this. Let's
1: carry him off because he's a bit of a knob. So, uh, like the the story is, he just did a walk on for them. That's and it. Did he? Sc- did he, he score was on, or anything?
0: He was on the field for three plays, but when you consider his stature, of I mean, he was a small man to even yeah. get on the field is literally amazing. It will. I mean, still, it it's a very very inspiring story of like he was a working class guy worked in a big steel mill type thing. Eventually, he worked super hard, got himself into the... Like, he had to go to this other college to do a kind of foundation course. He got into Notre Dame or Notre, Notre Dame. He finally got into the college. He got onto the kind of reserve squad. He was just there as like meat, meat on the field to be battered by the first team guys. And then in the final game of the season, he got dressed. They put him in his... He got to put on his uniform. And then for the final three plays, he got out on the field and he sacked the opposition quarterback. So it was like it was it was like a big deal. It is a big deal, not in terms of if you're actually good at a sport, but like Mm. for being a little guy, it was like it was a massive, massive deal. But the way sounds very like
1: Eddie the Eagle.
0: It's that kind of thing. It's like it's the uh, yeah. It's it's like someone who doesn't have any. Athletic talent whatsoever by the metric of people who are actually pros at a sport. Sure. But, you know, compared to the average person, he was still really good.
1: Yeah. And he it's just an interesting he just story. wasn't
0: good enough to play college football. It is, a very, it is an interesting story. The big difference between Rudy and Hoosiers is Rudy is incredibly earnest. Mm. It's got almost no humor whatsoever. Although it does feature John Favreau and um, someone credited as Vincent Vaughn. Uh, it was the okay. film, where they, it was a film where they met. It's only three years before Swingers as well. So
1: 1989?
0: 1993, Swingers was 96. Oh. But it's, it's, okay. a, it's a humorless film. But it is, it is very moving. It's one of those films where you're like, am I being emotionally manipulated? And the answer is yes, but it's very effective.
1: Did you enjoy it or Hoosiers more?
0: Hoosiers is a better film. And Hoosiers is much funnier. I feel like Hackman is the X factor that changes things. I think having a character like Hackman who's flawed, he's funny, he interacts with people, he's ballsy, he interacts with people in a very interesting way. I think that's a big difference. Rudy's like a kind of incredibly persistent, not that smart, obviously not that athletic guy who is battling against the odds, which is, I mean, that's entertaining in and of itself, but it's more inspirational. I'd say Hoosier's for me was less inspirational. Maybe it's supposed mm. to be inspirational. I wouldn't say it was. I'd say it's more of like an interesting character study of someone like Gene Hackman, who's fallen on hard times and is a really he good car- coach.
1: Carries a lot of a lot of cool with him. Um like there's you know, Definitely. certain like moments where uh, like he kicks the other coach off the court and then asks him to throw back the ball and stuff like that. That's just, I mean, that's what you're there for little moments like that. I definitely, like I watched this film on my own and I'm sure I punched the air three or four times throughout. Um, It's, it's really enjoyable that way. One thing that I found myself doing though was kind of, so did you watch um, the like 10 part netflix documentary last year the last dance the michael jordan i did uh, yeah. documentary it was now great. for my mind that's one of the best things i've seen generally speaking in years Absolutely. and i thought to myself like when you like if you can capture dramatics like that in a documentary form it just just far exceeds every quality you might get out of something like who's yours so I found myself unfavorably comparing Hoosiers to The Last Dance. To real life. And then it, it <laughs> Well, it got me thinking about like sport, sports films and, versus sports documentaries in general, and then thinking which sports films like I really, really love. And I suppose then it made me, but in the end, Hoosiers got to win in a different way because then it allowed me to sort of, I was almost able to in an abstract way, cut basketball out of the frame and just look at it in terms of its story structure and its arcs. And right. it's more more so than being about basketball. It's about small town sentiments. Agreed. And you're like, you know, it takes an outsider coming in, etc. things like that. Um. Incidentally, I do think like the best film I've seen about small town sports and their effects on the community is Friday Night Lights. And anybody who hasn't seen that should seek it out and watch it. It's really, really great. I've only really watched great. the film.
0: Do you prefer the series?
1: I have never watched the series, and I really, ah, really want to. i them too. Okay, it's been recommended to me by a lot of people, mm-hmm. and apparently they shoot it in the same way. Did very few takes, but loads of cameras everywhere. You know, which is what's so great about Friday Night Lights. Well, and that, and also the um, the explosions in the sky soundtrack, of right. course. Yeah, it's a classic. And you, and you've got well, any to me anything with Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, that'll get you halfway over the finish line in my book. But anyway. Like, those are the those are the things that I'm unfavorably mm-hmm. comparing Hoosiers to. But then, like I say, you kind of if you if you strip away the sport and the realism, you're basically looking at that Mighty Ducks story structure in a way, you know? Yeah, that's it, it goes through a lot of the
0: common beats and tropes of, you know, down to the down to the last minute, the buzzer shot. You've got yeah. You've got the ace who's brought in halfway through. You know, you've got like a kind of ringer who comes in and the, like uh, improves the fortunes of the team. Oh, you, that's you've got, th- you got the guys scene where he off the team and coming back. You've got so many of the kind of common sports tropes.
1: The scene where uh, Jimmy returns to the fold is just very Ridiculous. silly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You've got this character
0: called Jimmy Chitwood. He's got who's he, a teenager. Yeah, and he was like, he was a real uh, high school basketball player at the time. Mm. He was he he wasn't an actor. He's just a kid from the local area. He has about four lines in the entire film, but it is hilarious. He comes into a team meeting. He comes into a, a like a kind of town hall it's, meeting. A town hall meeting where they're talking about kicking gene hackman off of the team and getting a, a new coach installed and this kid just comes in and is like yeah i think i'm going to play basketball again and everyone goes hey and he's like yeah but i'll only do it if you keep hackman and everyone goes yeah.
1: Ooh. Mm. but my my favorite part of that scene is um the arrogance on that J- kid, J- jimmy, arrogant says, kid ever. jimmy says he wants to speak and everybody shuts the fuck up like it's the queen of England. They're like, oh, oh, Jimmy, all like these old people. And it's like, OK, do you have any experience of that whatsoever, having grown up in Scotland? Like no, the no, royalty yeah, of local no, athletes.
0: But this is we've talked about this before. I don't remember when, but we, we talked a little bit about how athletics in school in the U.S. is like is almost is almost like the highest form of education. It's like that's the purpose of mm. U.S. high school is your sports teams are, are above all else. It, yeah, it, for for the UK and Ireland, I think it's kind of the same thing. It was sort of like, meh. It was a, it was a thing that was there. I mean, great, if you were good at a sport and you could play that for your yeah. school, that's good. But it wasn't a thing. It wasn't going to be such a life-changing thing. People who are really, really You'll good at sports You'd be lucky if your parents showed up. Yeah, and people who are really good at, at sports at schools would maybe go on to play it at their university as like an mm. extra thing but he's got nothing to do with them turning pro or anything like that. But imagine in the U S people could obviously have their college education paid for. They could go on to become a professional of that sport, but that is, is separated from education for us.
1: In so, Ireland, like, there's a tiny taster of it mm-hmm. uh, in the Irish athletic games, the GAA mm-hmm. hurling and football. Um, I mean, there are certain communities, a lot of communities actually around Ireland where they actually do have the similar kind of royal status of these sort of basketball players. And it doesn't relate so much to like big things like you see, like um Friday Night Lights or he got games, stuff like that. But the Hoosiers thing, because it's so small town, like there's a lot of that going around Ireland, but not with the school teams, the local clubs, the local GAA teams. And mm-hmm. it's all amateur. Nobody gets paid. And on county level, the coaches might get paid, for example. But, you know, if you are if you're playing regular hurling and doing well, you could more or less walk into the walk into a job in any kind of branch of the civil service around Ireland. There's that kind of Mm -hmm. thing going on. You can just become a teacher or a cop very easily if you want, you know. Uh, So I was able to. Yeah, I, I was able to relate to some aspects of it, particularly in that like town hall meeting, because I have known of. You know, uh like like, you know, people who are very good at football have gotten away with acts of juvenile delinquency that I could only dream of. You know? Yeah.
0: That seems like more of a small town thing. And this film is based on the true story of the Milan, apparently it's pronounced Milan and not Milan, how it looks. The Milan Mm -hmm. High School uh team that won the state championship in Indiana in nineteen fifty-four. But again, there's, there's, they take huge liberties with the story. Apparently, they were favorites for the for the final because they'd had a really good previous season anyway. Like the year before in 1953, they were also a really good team. So, uh, so the
1: underdog it, aspect was invented. Added.
0: They, I mean, they were they were underdogs. In terms of they had a tiny number of players to choose from because they weren't, you know, they were going up against uh, kind of urban schools from the cities who had a you know, a much stronger pool of players. So they were underdogs in terms of that. But like within the specific season and within the uh, specific championship game, they were expected to win. And they did. It was still like a great, I mean, it was a great performance. And it was a great thing to do, but it's not. It's not as inspirational as the
1: story of the film. It's weird that a uh, race doesn't come up in it.
0: <laughs> that, that is the funniest part towards the end where you're watching this white high school team beat this largely black team. And you're like, is it? Did this yeah. happen? <laughs> Did this really happen? They, yeah. don't, they, they don't look like they should be winning that one.
1: It reminded me of, you know, um, I think it's an early Bill Burr bit about, uh, are we going to make that movie again? You know, they were the first, all black swim team and there's always some white guy who runs in going get out of the pool <laughs> <laughs> yeah race, like,
0: is, race is something they do not touch at all in this film but also no, it was made, no, it was they made in 1986 before that was that has any, i don't know if that has anything to do with the, with the choices or not but it is well, very I mean, funny it, watching the team win at the end i'd be interested i couldn't find the opposition team Details in 1954 to see what they looked like, but they were from South Bend. I, I don't know the racial makeup of the city either. I assume there were black players on that team, possibly. I'm guessing I mean, that part them. is uh, that part is at least accurate. But yeah, they 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 still lost.
1: Had you which any idea that yeah, nowadays. basketball was such a thing in Indiana?
0: Kind of. I mean we're exposed. We expo- expose our lack of knowledge here. I mean, the Indiana Pacers, right? Is that the team? Oh, I know yeah, nothing that's about right. basketball in the NBA. They do have a team. Oh, let's let's be honest, we both know nothing about basketball, but that's why we educate ourselves by watching Gene by watching Gene, watching Gene Hackman coach. That's where I get all my yeah. sports education from. I just listened to old Gene. This film had a budget a budget of six million and it made twenty eight point six.
1: Good stuff. It's not bad. Roger it was nominated, loved for two, it.
0: nominated for two Oscars. Do you Which know what ones? they were? Uh, i'm gonna hopper, say
1: best original screenplay and dennis hopper i know was nominated yeah
0: Den- dennis hopper uh, was nominated for best supporting actor uh do you remember who he lost to you should know who he lost to because we've uh, discussed it off we the top discussed of it head. last week he lost to michael oh, cain right. for hannah and her sisters
1: okay all right oh so yeah this means... and, uh, also losing to michael Caine that year was tom Berenger and willem dafoe
0: that's correct and uh, the other uh, category it was nominated for was Best Original Score, Jerry Goldsmith's score, as a mixture actually, of kind of modern I quite aspects. Liked, and
1: I quite liked at the start. And uh, when it goes all evangelist, I wasn't too hot in it, to be honest. It's very
0: evangelist. But then sports movies of the 80s, like Chariots of Fire, literally evangelist, mm. they, were def- they were going for that, of uh, using it, something set in a, in a past time period by evoking like a more 80s synthiness about it uh but yeah it lost out to i think it was herbie hancock had a a score for something for a film which i don't remember what it was i could find out but i'm not going we're gonna find out in real time no fuck that no no no, exactly someone else look up you do the work anyway i enjoyed the film uh it's not something i'll ever watch again i think one time for hoosiers is good it's a one and done if you were
1: flicking uh, and you were bored and it was on the tv would you stay
0: well number 1 I never watch TV I haven't watched
1: a TV oh, that's true in me neither <laughs> like 10 years or something
0: but if I were and there was nothing else if I was in a room with just a TV and I could flick channels and I wasn't allowed out of the room and there was no internet technology and my legs had been cut off yes I would watch it
1: if you were if you were being held in um Guantanamo Bay or something, and they give you uh, three options mm-hmm. to uh, just have played on repeat as a form of torture for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the Passion of the Christ, Housiers, or... <laughs> it's uh, a very
0: French reading of the film there. Who's Housiers.
1: Housiers, uh, or The Chronicles of Riddick. Which are Oof. you doing?
0: I don't know. For the torture element, maybe I want Passion of the Christ just to kind of remind me of my inner strength. Yeah, Hoosiers is the is the film I'd rather watch. I still haven't seen Passion of the Christ, so I can't rudely judge it. I don't know what it's like. Chronicles of Riddick. I don't need to even <laughs> watch watching that once was a form of torture. Yeah, if I'm to torture on. someone, I would show them Chronicles of Riddick. You don't even need to do it repeatedly. You show them once, and they're already broken. They're like, "Let me out." Yeah, so the CIA me. should employ that. Yeah, I don't need to be watching any. The, okay, I think uh, we're we're getting a bit off track again. But I, I think totally. that Riddick that Riddick sequel the last one that was fine he even even vin diesel realized what chronicles of riddick had done to people and he was like okay let's get back to a winning formula
1: that catalan guy had some good lines and there was some good kills in it yeah he was solid anyway
0: go back and listen to the 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 riddick and chronicles of riddick episodes of call it friend it's one of the earliest episodes only available in audio format anywhere where you can find podcasts.
1: we'll have to go back and rejig the old audio ones like peter jackson did
0: Absolutely. We're going to set them in World War I, and we're going to get all old people in them, older than us, and we're old enough. Shall we move into the cast of Hoosiers?
1: Let's talk. So
0: for people who are listening or watching this for the first time, we break down the cast with some interesting and inverted commas anecdotes, and then we go through the Wikipedia plot synopsis and discuss the plot yep. a little bit of any bits that, uh, that came to our attention that we want to make fun of essentially so we had (laughs) we had gene hackman as norman dale we talked a lot about gene hackman in previous episodes uh do you remember any of the classic hackman trivia
1: um i know he's been in a bizarre amount of films uh Mm. he didn't quite achieve success until late enough in his career well Mm -hmm. relatively late let's say um didn't he live with somebody
0: maybe dustin hoffman i don't know that's not on my list (laughs)
1: I think he might have lived through Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman.
0: You remember he was on uh, Richard Nixon's enemies list. That was one.
1: Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Well, Hackman left home at 16 and lied about his age to enlist in the United States Marine Corps. He served four and a half years as a field radio operator. He was stationed in China and later Mm. in Qingdao and later in Shanghai. When the Communist Revolution conquered the mainland in 1949, Hackman was assigned to Hawaii and Japan. Nice. Yeah, so Hackman is almost in The Last Emperor.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That sounds about right. (laughs) He could have been
0: in The Real Last Emperor as a kid.
1: Mm.
0: Around the things. Uh, Apparently, Gene Hackman's involvement in the film was a bit troubled. Gene Hackman and David Anspaugh, the director, clashed throughout most of the production. Gene had me on the verge of a nervous breakdown, Anspaugh told Vulture. He gave me my first anxiety attack. One morning I woke up and I couldn't walk. The room was spinning. I thought every day on the film was going to be my last because Gene's agent was trying to get me fired. According to Anspaugh, the only thing that saved his job was the dailies. The producers said, look, David's not getting fired, the director recalled. And we showed a half hour of dailies to Gene's agent and he saw that what we were making was actually pretty good.
1: Mm, Yeah. I actually even had a few moments of that during it because you are just watching the standard beats for what's going on in a sports film. But I remember there's this really nice shot where um, he gives them their pep talk and they come out from the changing room and it's all, it's all a one and it does a, a, big, um, a big pan right around the, the court and the arena, et cetera. And I thought, wow, okay, this is actually pretty good.
0: Mm. Uh, Jack Nicholson originally wanted to play coach Norman Dale, but he was serving as a witness in a lawsuit which sidelined him for six months. He told the producers he knew they were on a tight schedule to shoot and if they found another actor, to go ahead. If not, he could do it the next year. Gene Hackman then signed on for the part. After the film came out, Nicholson said to David Anspaugh that the movie and its stars were great, but they would have been a mega hit if he had been the star. What do you think? I think uh, Jack Nicholson seems like, a, seems like a modest young fellow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would have brought anything much more to the role than
1: No, than, I actually think Hackman's Hankman kind did. of perfect I
0: think, Yeah, I think Hankman is more believable as a coach than Nicholson would be Nicholson, I could believe, punching a teenager
1: Yeah, for That's sure
0: very <laughs> believable. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I understand that this guy probably did get sacked from his job for hitting a kid
1: I think Nixon would, uh, Nixon, uh, Nicholson would make great uh, opposite enemy rival team coach Mm-hmm like he would say yeah. to uh, Gene Hackman's character, "Hey, you're not gonna hit another kid, are you?" Or some shit. Or, or he could like probably
0: that. play the uh, Dennis Hopper drunken shooter role instead.
1: I think that role uh, is Hopper's Dennis Hopper. Hopper's very, yeah, yeah. very, very good that.
0: Okay, moving on. Barbara Hershey uh, played Myra Fleener, Gene Hackman's love interest. Barbara Hertzstein is her real name. She was born in Hollywood, California. She was shy in school and so quiet that people thought she was deaf. She married a friend of the show, David Carradine, when she was 21. They divorced when she was 27. Uh, but over that time, she had gained a reputation as somewhat of a hippie. During the filming of the film last summer, a seagull was killed. In one scene, she explained, I had to throw the bird in the air to make her fly. We had to reshoot the scene over and over again. I could tell the bird was tired. Finally, when the scene was finished, the director, Frank Perry, told me the bird had broken her neck on the last throw. Hershey felt responsible for the bird's death and changed her stage name to Seagull as a tribute to the creature. <laughs> I felt her That's good trivia. enter me, she later explained. It was the only moral thing to do. The name change was not positively received. When she was offered a part opposite Timothy Bottoms in The Crazy World of Julius Vruder in 1974, Hershey had to forfeit half her salary, $25,000, to be billed under the name Seagull. <laughs> because the producers were not in favor of the billing.
1: Wow, I can't believe she got cast. I mean, she obviously changed back at some point, which was a wise career move.
0: Yeah, she later, later on in life became a little bit more protective
1: of her privacy,
0: but she was in her 20s. It was a long time ago. She felt responsible for the death of the seagull. I think it's a solid choice. You ever killed more the seagull? people? Not that, I, not that I'm willing to admit to. Okay, I don't think then so. Neither am I. Yeah, I don't think I don't neither of us have killed anyone or anything. Let's be clear on that. We had well, Dennis when I Hopper. Was a kid. Okay. No, th- let's leave that. Dennis Hopper okay. shooter Flatch. Hopper made his debut on film in two roles with James Dean, whom he admired immensely, apparently. And Rebel Without a Cause in nineteen fifty five and giant and giant. Yeah. Dean's death in a car accident in September nineteen fifty-five affected the young Hopper deeply. And it was shortly afterward that he got into a confrontation with veteran director Henry Hathaway on the film From Hell to Texas, 1958. Hopper forced Hathaway to shoot more than 80 takes of a scene over several days before he acquiesced to Hathaway's direction. After filming was completed, Hathaway allegedly told Hopper that his career in Hollywood was finished.
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't completely finished, but I think it was starting to end.
0: (laughs) Hopper made his directorial debut. What did you want to say?
1: I mean, over the course of, you know, from that moment until the actual end of his career. No, I suppose he had a comeback in the 80s, but still. He did some
0: great stuff. Hopper made his directorial debut on the 1969. I, I 100% Falcon agree. Easy Rider. Hopper said of Easy Rider, the cocaine problem in the United States is really because of me. There was no cocaine before Easy Rider on the street. After Easy Rider, it was everywhere.
1: Okay, that's one way to look at it. I mean, the other thing to take credit for, maybe not the cocaine revolution would be, I mean, he, they did kickstart New Hollywood.
0: Mm, absolutely. Peter Biskin states in the New Hollywood History, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, that by 1980, book. Hopper's cocaine intake had reached three grams a day, complemented wow. by 30 beers and some marijuana and Cuba Libres.
1: I will say that um, Peter Biskin's work, despite the fact that I really do enjoy at least two of his books, I've only read two of his books, but I did, I did really enjoy them. But as well as being a film journalist, he's a bit of a gossip, a gossip columnist. I've, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
0: There are certainly elements that might have been uh, stretched. The truth may have been stretched in places to be a bit more entertaining. After staging a suicide attempt, in inverted commas, really more of a daredevil act, in a coffin using 17 sticks of dynamite during an art happening at the Rice University Media Center, filmed by professor and documentary filmmaker Brian Huberman, and later disappearing into the Mexican desert uh, during a particularly extravagant bender, Hopper entered a drug rehabilitation program in 1983. So he tried to blow himself up with 17 sticks of dynamite as, part, for as, help. Part, as part of an art show, and then went on an insane bender in the Mexican desert and then finally went into rehab. And, and he did he stay sober? To, I think so. Uh, I think mm. throughout the, the later period, years of his life, he was sober. Dennis Hopper was always someone that, I enjoyed, I always enjoyed his performances, but you could see that he was in the insane category of actors. Maybe not such an insane, like, not so, he's not so insane he's good at acting. He's just an insane person who acted.
1: Yeah. I He actually, I would fit him more into like the Steve McQueen character that he's mm-hmm. just got such an Plays enigmatic, charis- charismatic persona he can get away with playing himself. And I mm-hmm. do think as well, I wouldn't be surprised if he did say sober because he's so good at just channeling a kind of madness mm-hmm. um, that you can kind of, you can see it's something that Joaquin Phoenix is good at doing as well. Whenever you read about like actors who've, who have had a lot of trauma in their lives and are able to bring something like like uh, Frank from Blue Velvet or even to a lef- lesser extent, whatever the name is of the um, villain in Speed. He's just, he's manic, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, he really is channeling something <clears throat> a lot of the time. I yeah. Know, yeah, I love Hopper.
0: Okay, moving on. We've got Sheb Woolley as Cletus Summers. Uh, Cletus Summers is the person, (laughs) it's a great name, Cletus Summers is the guy who hires uh, Gene Hackman's Coach Dale to coach the team. So Sheb Willie Sheb learned to ride at an early age and became a working cowboy and later an accomplished rodeo rider. When the United States entered World War II, Willie tried to enlist in the military but was unsuccessful due to his numerous rodeo injuries. Instead, in the early 1940s, he worked in the oil industry and as a welder. He was a celebrated American actor and singer. He recorded a series of novelty songs, including the 1958 novelty song "The Purple People Eater," and other, I do not under know the that. name me neither, and under the name Ben Calder, the country hit "Almost Persuaded." Number two, who does number <laughs> two work for?
1: <clears throat> you show that turd? Who's boss?
0: Willie is. A, here's the most important part of trivia: the most important trivia that we're ever going to mention on the podcast. Willie is also credited as the voice actor who produced the Wilhelm scream sound effect. Wow. Yeah. I mean having that's appeared a pretty on a memo as a voice extra for Distant Drums in which he had an acting role. This was later confirmed by his wind, his widow Linda Dotson Woolley. The stock recording of the distinctive scream has been used by sound effect teams in over 200 films. So it was he was working as an extra on I think Distant Drums was 1951 I want to say or 1958 mm-hmm. I can't remember. But yeah, the sound just, effect has, has been ah, and that sound effect you can find there's a bunch of YouTube compilations of his scream being used uh in multiple films. Steven Spielberg, I remember, is a big fan. He constantly has used that. You see it in a lot of the Indiana Jones films, etc., uh, for whenever anyone is falling off from a great height and goes, Oh ah.
1: yeah. I know I've I've looked into it. I think you actually introduced me to the concept of this and mm. I, I went down in our rabbit hole and now you just notice it when it's there. Yeah, it's
0: it- <laughs> It's really Mm. off-putting. Once you're aware of it, you're like, oh, God, it's actually quite annoying. Okay, that's it for the cast. Shall we move into the plot? Let's do it. In 1951, Normandale arrives in rural Hickory, Indiana. His old friend, high school principal Cletus Summers, has hired him as a civics and history teacher and his head basketball coach. We don't really see any of his teaching, do we? We see a tiny bit. No. Just a sentence. It seems like a bit of a
1: paltry excuse of, you know, of nepotism. Oh, he's also a teacher. Whatever, man.
0: But then, and again, it just goes back to that point of how important organized sports are for a high school.
1: That yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it doesn't really matter if this guy's a teacher or not. It's fine.
1: Again, that kind of thing, I've heard of it happening in Ireland. Like, <clears> I
0: can imagine, like, like yeah, I can imagine, Ireland players like, really just uh,
1: just skipping into a uh, like a role as a history teacher or something, and their classes being famously just you know not like all made being made an effort on at all. Exactly, yeah. <laughs>
0: The townspeople passionate about basketball are disappointed that Hickory's best player, Jimmy Chitwood, has left the team. At a meet and greet, Dale tells the townspeople he used to coach college basketball. The next day, fellow teacher Myra Fleener warns Dale not to recruit Jimmy. She is encouraging Jimmy to focus solely on his studies so that he will have a future away from Hickory. Good call. Yeah, she's incredibly rude towards uh, Gene Hackman's character later on where she's like, I don't want him, I don't want him... You know, forty-five years old, being a teacher in this town It's like, oof. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know? yeah. It's like you lose. I mean, there are loser. there are easier ways to tell Gene Hackman you fancy him. You know,
0: <laughs> she's like everyone is incredibly unwelcoming to Gene Hackman's character when he turns up, but her, yeah, especially, but... <laughs> she's the worst.
1: I love stuff like that. I love stuff like. You know and it only it's it's a love that only comes from having watched too many films over the year but it's just when you can just sp- like there sh- someone should invent a game perhaps it'll be it'll be me something like psycho history f- from foundation where they show you the first 20 minutes of a film that has a rigid structure that you know well yeah. and you can just try and picture all the chess moves because you know they're getting together from the yeah, moment absolutely. they you know they're getting together. You can also tell which of the local parents Hackman's going to have direct confrontations with. Yeah. You can tell which students he's going to have direct confrontations with. You could probably tell when Jimmy's going to come back. Yeah. You know, it's like... These are, these two, are classic I'd, beats. I'd say you could predict it to within like 10 minutes of when it happens or something. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's so much fun.
0: The small school has only seven players. At the first practice, Dale dismisses Buddy Walker for rudeness, causing another player, Whit Butcher, to walk out in protest. Dale begins drilling the others: Ray Butcher, Merle Webb, Everett Flatch, Strap Pearl, <laughs> and manager Ollie McClellan with fundamentals and conditioning, but no scrimmages or shooting. Much to the Huskers' dismay, Witt later apologizes to Dale and rejoins the team.
1: Yeah, it's a funny um, little montage there because, like, you know, they're just doing sprints and stuff. Yes, yeah, for some and
0: passing the ball repeatedly.
1: Uh, for some reason, it it brought me to mind of a film which I I love. And I've heard people call it boring, but I've I've seen it uh, three times now. I'd say, and I would watch it again. I love Moneyball. Yeah, Moneyball. great. I think Moneyball's a terrific, terrific film. And uh, yeah, that that see that little sequence brought me to mind of that. Um, I I do think Moneyball is probably better than Hoosiers. I'll I'll say that. I'll go in yeah. that limb, but like.
0: no no offense to Hoosiers, but I would I've watched Moneyball maybe three times, and I would far rather watch that again. There's just something. Yeah. I would no knock on David Anspaugh, but I'd say that mm. what's his name? Bennett Miller? Is that the director? Uh, yeah. No, yeah, it is, it ben, is. Bennett yeah, Miller. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a more talented filmmaker. I mean, I think, look at. Look well, at I just his think he takes this
1: concept of what we think of as a fantasy in the likes of Hoosiers and it shows you like the yeah. real life beats of how that actually happened to this guy although, called Billy again, Dean.
0: I, although, again, I feel like that is, uh, is possibly not the most truthful. Again, I feel like it's like uh, loosely based on a true story. Yeah, I don't think it's as. uh, I I think all of these films you need to sacrifice historical accuracy if you want the story to be interesting. It can't be the true story. There's got to be, you know, you have to build drama in where there is none. That's just the way of that's the way of creating a film. Otherwise, anyway, enough about documentary. Dale instructs the Huskers to pass four times before she... What is that? having to pass four times for shooting That feels like a real 1986. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny little beat. I I don't know basketball, but that feels like almost 1986. Like you need to pass four times. I feel like nowadays it'd be like, yeah, just go up there and dunk. We don't need to be passing four times.
1: That's a funny little beat as well, because then later on in the film, (laughs) um, what is it? uh, Jimmy says to him in a big moment, he's like, no, I think I can can do this on my own. I I think I can
0: do this with only three passes.
1: Which, I don't know, I suppose is, and Hackman accepting that is a culmination of some sort of arc on Mm. his part where he, you know, is allowed, let the doves fly free or some shit like that, Mm. I don't know, because it was his domineering personality that got him into trouble in the first place. Something Mm. along those lines.
0: During the season opener, Ray disobeys and repeatedly makes baskets without passing first, which obviously is a terrible thing to do. Dale benches him for the rest of the game. Even when Merle fouls out, leaving only four Huskers on the floor. That's quite funny to have a guy like to be so stubborn, stubbornly following the rules. I kept thinking about that from like a coaching perspective. I feel like nowadays that just doesn't work because players at every level have so much power that they would be like, oh, okay." no, you would get that coach would be immediately chucked out. In nineteen fifty four, I'm sure it's been.
1: I suppose yeah, because like I mean, is there anybody as powerful of, of a coach these days as Alex Ferguson was? Because I do remember there were occasions where he would yeah, take that's off. That's the some, kind of thing uh,
0: you could you could do. I feel like nowadays at the highest level of football, of real football, soccer, uh yeah, I think mm-hmm. that would be that would be a tough go.
1: Maybe Zinedine Zidane could manage it, like maybe like Pep Guardioli could manage it, but I'd imagine like an awful lot of stars could muscle over, but then again, I suppose you don't want somebody like that playing for your team. I should be yeah, a coach.
0: You should be. You after this, you've shown it. In a subsequent game, when a rival player jabs Dale in the chest during the non-core argument, Ray jumps to his defense and hits the player. During the altercation, mm. Principal Summers, acting as assistant coach, suffers a mild heart attack. Dale further erodes community support by employing a slow defensive style that does not immediately produce results. Dale also loses his temper on court and gets ejected from two games. There's a few things happen there. In the fight scene, uh, one of the players gets a big piece of glass impaled in his shoulder. Oh, yeah. And then keeps playing. Yeah. And they don't go near it's it encore. again. It's 1950s. Yeah. Or yeah, later were, on, he's prison like, rules. oh, my shoulder hurts a little. But how did that game not get abandoned after like a huge know. brawl that ended with smashing a trophy, ca- a trophy case? 1950s, 1950s Indiana, 50s. man. It was 50s. They play it hard. Fun. It was all to go. Yeah, Principal Summers had his little heart attack thing as well. It was very much like <laughs> his little it, heart attack, <laughs> his little his little episodes, his little coronary episodes. I just felt like they showed that, and then they were like, "This town is so small." Like I know it's nineteen fifty four or whatever, but the doctor was like, "You need you just need to rest." Like there's nothing we could. That's it. Isn't like mm. It didn't appear that there was... You know, how, what was medical technology for checking someone's heart in 1954? Did they just check and go like, yeah, we've confirmed you have a heart? It's beating. That is, that is far... That's as much as our... Maybe in 50 years, we'll be able to do something for you. But right now, we can confirm that you have a human heart. Congratulations. So he just has to go and sleep for a while. Respect.
1: Uh, and then, he, then Gene Hackman has to travel into a Cormac McCarthy book and uh, rescue Dennis Hopper.
0: Correct. That's an important part. With summers laid up, Dale asked former Husker Wilbur Shooter Wilbur shooter Flatch Everett's alcoholic father 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 to be his assistant. With the requirement that Shooter be sober during all games and practices, this confounds the town and embarrasses Everett. Are you familiar with um, Ari Shafir's screenplay Shooter that he wrote when he was in college? Yes. Yeah, they did a table read featuring our good, good yes. uh, enemy... Uh, michelle wolf she was one of the, uh, the 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 stars of that table read yes, i highly david, recommend david
1: tell was also on it
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i highly recommend it. anyone who's not listening to that it's on youtube you can, you, can mm. you can't see it there's only audio but the the it's very it's heavily inspired it's funny, by, yeah. inspired by things like like hoosiers mm. but it's funny for how terrible it is <laughs> and yeah. it's called shooter maybe i'll put that in the show notes Uh, So yeah, uh, Dale brings uh, Dennis Hopper's character shooter into the fold. And of course, he's an alcoholic and uh, the the townspeople are not very happy about this. Mid-season, disgruntled townspeople decide to vote on dismissing Dale. Before the meeting, Fleener, sensing something amiss regarding Dale's past, uncovers years-old information about his hitting a player and being banned from coaching. However, Fleener chooses, chooses not to reveal this fact to the townspeople, instead telling them at the meeting to give Dale another chance. Nevertheless, nice. they vote to fire the coach. Then Jimmy Chitwood arrives and announces that he will rejoin the team as though he's Christ, but only if Dale remains his coach. <laughs> a new vote is taken, and the residents overwhelmingly choose to keep Dale. Yay! What is there to say? That explains everything there. This Jimmy Chitwood as the kind of ace in the whole character is ridiculous. Yes, it's but silly. It he serves a purpose, he serves it, but it just doesn't feel like a real person. No, he gets it...
1: no characterization before this at all, other than it's he's slightly talked about, and you see him constantly shooting <laughs> baskets, and it's like, well, if you're not going to play, it, Jimmy, I mean, what are you doing? what are you doing? You shooting baskets all the time? Agreed. Just pissing people off is all you're doing. Everyone's it's, going. It's, it's well, you could th- fucking put on a uniform and do it for us, you prick.
0: I'm I'm guessing that some of that characterization would have been in the longer cut of the film that they wanted because sure. they go nowhere with that. They do. They introduce the fact as like, yeah, okay, he had a hard upbringing. Now, uh, Barbara Hershey's character is looking after him. She wants him to go away to college, but our, our only exposure to him is him shooting baskets. And that's it. He's, and he's really, really good. That's it. And him, he's like in the gym early on watching um, Hackman like train the guys. And he, we just see him have a, his moments of like, hmm, this looks interesting. Maybe I should do the thing that I've been doing the entire time, but for a team. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like they, get... Yeah, they don't develop that. They don't take that anywhere, which is, is, uh, is a bit of a problem. But ultimately, it's fine because he's good at basketball. I think he might win the game. Yes. After Jimmy's return, the reinvigorated Huskers rack up a series of wins to prove to the townspeople and to Shooter himself Shooter's value to the team. Dale intentionally gets ejected from a game. This forces, ah, hell. To <laughs> this forces Shooter to devise a play that helps Hickory win on a last second shot.
1: Try and do your best, Hackman.
0: I can't do one. I think you just did. Wait, go again. Yeah,
1: that was my best. Go again. Yeah, let You're see, under um... pressure now.
0: You did it first. Pass
1: it, God damn it! <laughs> Like that.
0: That's fine. I think you win. You win the uh, Hackman off here. Oh, hell! It's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, Dennis Hopper's character is forced by Hackman to take responsibility and to overcome his alcoholism. It's funny when he goes and sits down and talks to him in his house and says to him, like, you yeah, know, you need to be sober. And Hopper's like, uh, yeah, No. <laughs> I know I, can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I need to no, drink excuse no. me I live in small town Indiana in a non-existent angle Hickory I mean please let me have this that's all I that's all I ask for please it, let it, me have I, this it reminded me
1: slightly of have you seen Rio Bravo ever
0: not that I can recall
1: I was it, absolutely brilliant film one of my favorites I like to call it um, River Brave that's what I it's call it English too title. sometimes uh, but Dean Martin plays I mean surprise surprise plays a drunk in it um, but it's just funny because it's doing the old West uh, uh, idea of drunks. So being a drunk means you drink whiskey all the time. And his version of getting sober in the film is he cuts down and only drinks beer. And it's they're just not played for laughs at all. It's yeah, like uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that yeah, yeah. I like
0: I I I think in multiple places. I know in Russia from experiences of interacting with with Russians many times that's considered going sober. Beer is not alcohol. Beer is not kind. If you say alcohol, they, they think you're talking about things like vodka whiskey spirits and et cetera. Like beer is just a soft drink. So respect.
1: Yeah, indeed. The real men over there. Mm-hmm. It's funny though. Cause it's like John Wayne's just like saying, why can't you just stick to beer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a normal, like a normal sober person. <laughs> like, a,
1: like, like a good child. <laughs> that would to be fair. Like if, if
0: uh, Dennis Hopper was just drinking beer, Just had a few beers. He'd probably be fine. Yeah, that's true. That's not alcoholism, folks. All right, yeah, I'm sober. Anyway, despite a setback when Shooter relapses and is hospitalized, the team advances through the tournament with Jimmy's strong performance. On some players such as Short Ollie and Devoutly Religious Strap also contribute. Hickory reaches the state championship game in Indianapolis. Yeah, we had the the little guy, Ollie. He's very Mm. much the uh, Rudy of the team and uh despite his his short stature, he has uh he gets fouled towards the end of a game, and he's got two uh free throws. he's previously messed up a little bit, but then he he hits his shots and he gets carried off.
1: What do you he think of an version um, of Rudy? The game sequences generally
0: I mean, they seem fine. I thought you, you the uh geography of the of the court is clear. It's clear what's going on.
1: Yes, it, I, I like that, too. It feels
0: too. like 1950s basketball. Certainly yes, I thought, I thought so, very too.
1: Modern, but. Which I think is some, uh, uh, probably a choice they made, and probably a choice they made as well to not flash it up too much because it's a high school, you know what I mean? Yeah, also. Um, yeah, no, and I, I, do, I did feel that there was a strength to the fact that you could feel where the ball was going. You Definitely. It's like
0: it was, it was fairly clear, and I think it works quite well with uh, Jerry Goldsmith's score like, mm. throughout. I think it's fine. It's perfectly adequate. Okay, the last section here at Butler Fieldhouse and before the largest cr- crowd they've ever seen, the Huskers face long odds to defeat the favored South Bend Central Bears who have taller, more athletic players, whatever that means. Uh, there's another uh, way to say Jimmy scores at the last <laughs> second and Hickory wins the 1952 state championship. You didn't bring up the you fact meant. that Hackman got, to, got a smooch. Uh, yeah, what, so, but there's also a after that kiss scene. So Gene Hackman kisses Barbara Hershey. And oh, then after, I know what you're going to bring that, up. Yeah, after that kiss scene, he's talking to reporters in the gym, and she takes like one of those what's that called, like the the old fashioned loudspeakery thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and she says into it, she's like, "What are you, are you staying next year?" And it's yeah, like, yeah.
1: She, "What you have?" She does a cute little girl thing or yeah, some shit like, like that. It's it's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And she's asking him like, "Are you sticking around next season? Like, are you going to be around?" It's like, is this how you want to address this? In front yeah, of yeah. reporters and the person you're with. It was weird. Are we just, have, it, have they just had one kiss? Is that what we're led to believe? Or is there... Yeah. What's going on here?
1: Well, people never kissed in the 50s, so they're probably married by... It. Yeah. Right. Even um, then, that's very
0: risque for her to ask that, like, in front of so many people.
1: Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's so odd. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, they cut maybe out loads like of the 50s. film, but... Yeah, it...
0: maybe, there's, maybe there's a whole other section of the film which is just hardcore sex. But I mean, another 30 minutes <laughs> of full penetration.
1: Is it, is it, that's a possibility.
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to hear your 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 hackman anymore.
1: <laughs> yes, God damn it. Uh, no, th- I don't do a good hackman. I should stop that. Um, but, uh, yeah, know, it's just strange. It's it's almost like a kin. like, you know, maybe it seems like they might have cut scenes of her writing his name on bathroom doors or something. It's really weird that bit.
0: She's and she's already supposed to like she's in her thirties. Yeah, it's not like she's. I mean, she's looking after her mom. She's been away. She went away to like New York or somewhere for college. I, I mean, if, you, explains, if you're in the
1: in your thirties and not married in the fifties, you might yeah, as well be dead. That is know? true. That her
0: life is over unless right? you're a an man, spinster lady, cat lady. That's what they call an old Hackman, maid. Yeah, and then Ackman turns up and she's like, okay, rescues I, her. Could there be a more eligible man than this than this young bachelor? Could there be, I mean, just the most virile. This is a man in his prime.
1: Indeed. He's got the yeah, energy yeah. of a
0: 20 year old, despite being like about 50 respect.
1: I mean, he didn't he has he didn't age much between the Poseidon Adventure and this, but like we've covered before, he's always been 40 years old. He's definitely look at
0: the picture behind me. He's definitely more jolly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I suppose. Less of a neck. But still, True. you know,
0: respect to the old hack manager. So is that's it worth it. watching uh, Rudy? I think so. I, they, uh, David Antepaugh and Angelo Pizzo also uh, did a, a third film together called The Game of Their Lives, which is about uh, football, a soccer game in 1950 when the United States beat England 1-0. I think it was the one where newspapers at the time reported it as something like 10-1 to England because they thought it was a typo. They were huh. like, no, 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 the USA. Guy. I I don't know if that story is true, but that's why I remember uh, that's around that. But anyway, that film is really, really poorly rated. It's got Gerard Butler and Wes, Wes Bentley. If you wanted to see Wes Bentley play soccer, I just didn't think I wow. could. Wow. When so, when was that made? Two thousand and five. Uh, Gerard Butler. I think it's. Had he already was he he just done three hundred or was just about to do three hundred? So it's kind of it was early for him. I just oh, I heard oh, that's it's terrible. Mad heard as bad, and again, uh, it takes huge. Uh, it takes kind of huge liberties with the uh, real events as well. So it sounds not interesting. Though, but Rudy's in fine. Way, I would watch Rudy.
1: But it sounds interesting though in a way because it, it sounds like this fella, uh, David Anspaw, like specialized in a certain type of sports film that by two thousand and five was somewhat outdated. And I think the so. I think yeah, that's yeah.
0: genuinely what happened. I think you're, you're talking about like formula, whether some of this in 1986 is he's, the formula formula already existed maybe, but people weren't that tired of it. Or he's setting certain aspects of the formula. Rudy continues that, but it's it's still okay. It's very, very earnest, but it's still fine. Uh, the game of their lives looks extremely earnest. Too much. Yeah, 9-11 uh, so. changed I just, everything. I think so. And so, yeah, yeah people just didn't want that that story particularly and No no they uh, like that their, they like their
1: little flex of realism I mean it is essentially in many ways the same story but they want yeah, that, they are telling the same story
0: know. but changing the sport
1: Yeah But no what I mean pl- what I mean to say is that by each of 2000 three
0: films are the same thing
1: by 2005 what I mean to say is people in a way still wanted that story but they wanted it dressed up differently Mm -hmm. You know, like Friday Night Lights, give them, you know, their their slightly different ending or whatever, like Mm -hmm. or give them handheld cameras. It's just I mean, I was kind of joking, but kind of not. I mean, 9-11 did change a lot of uh, the way pop culture was produced. People Mm -hmm. like for a while, people did not want such polished stuff. I mean, all the polished stuff has come back now with a vengeance. People want that again. You know,
0: stuff like 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 this, like this conversation. Mm. This is probably one of the most polished (laughs)
1: pieces of art
0: that's ever existed okay i think we've reached the end we've reached the end of this so for next time the criteria was which i said was a i said a con movie a con film something with con artists
1: yes have you got a coin
0: or is it i do have a coin okay fantastic so you, you go first you tell me what con film did you choose
1: Okay, I chose to fill in a gap in um, my uh, Nicholas Cage and um, what's his name, filmography? Uh, Matchstick Man. Matchstick Man, that's what I'm going for, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen <Air>. Matchstick Man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what you should have got
1: for. it. I've never seen Matchstick Man, have you?
0: Is Magic is Man Ridley Scott? Yeah, I've seen it. It's got yes. Sam, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Who's the kid? There's a young girl in it. I can't Not remember sure. her name. Never seen yeah, it. Yeah, I-, I remember Matchstick Man. I haven't seen it for a long time. What are you going for? Well, I've watched too many con films. It turns out I've seen the vast majority of them, so I managed to to kind of uh, cram one in that might not be hundred percent conny, But I went for the uh, two thousand is it two thousand and fifteen film Mississippi Grind. I think I'd already, I may have already put this up previously for a toss. I can't remember the twenty fifteen film with Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn, directed by Ryan Fleck and Anna Bolden of uh, Captain Marvel fame. Yeah, mm. Mississippi Grind, which I believe has some con elements
1: in it. Hopefully, con elements. I'm calling yes. it that. You've seen okay. it. Okay. I have seen it. Uh, okay, I, so really, we've both I really, really enjoy those films. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I know what you're going to go. I got 50 and Cervantes' head. 50. Oh, really? You surprised yeah,
0: me. I did because you told me what I was going to do. <laughs> so I'm not. All doing right. It. Here we go. First time we've ever been able to get a visual element on this just to prove it's a real thing. And you caught it. That's good news. Cervantes has won okay that's fine Matchstick Man
1: yeah fine. that's from not like right.
0: 2003 I think it's a, it's a good film not sure
1: it's I mean Scott Ridley Scott Ridley Scott traditionally if he manages to get a hold of a good script is a fairly reliable dude maybe Wait, I'll watch okay. some other
0: Ridley Scott film like uh, The Counselor I still never watched that
1: Yes, The Counselor would be good. I just saw that that's on Disney Plus the other day. I might check it <laughs> it out does also. seem like
0: the most Disney film you can imagine. Cameron well, Diaz, it's on the uh, star oh, I already, section. I already know some of them. <laughs> I know some of the plot beats. So, yeah, it'll be interesting.
1: Uh, okay, so uh, what's the criteria, hombre? So the criteria
0: for next time is to watch something with aliens in it, or to suggest something, rather, with aliens in it. That's it. Okay. It's got to have extra, something that extraterrestrials. Something with extraterrestrials in it. or Okay. suggest it fine
1: wow I'm struggling
0: well luckily you okay. have a week to think about it
1: I do have a week alright cool uh, I guess that's um, that's uh, it from us uh, yeah that's it from us if, it,
0: if, you're, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this if you have any feedback or anything you can find us well in the YouTube comments of this video but also you can hit us up on uh, Instagram at call of friend podcast send us a message with any feedback any recommendations Or anything else, we're going to be starting up a Patreon where we're going to be talking about the latest releases or anything that Patreon members suggest. So, yeah, if you've got anything, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can hit us up at Podcast on Instagram.
1: Sweet. All right. Uh, Up yours.
0: Up yours too, sir. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye. This is all...